Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast, and I have as my guest uh, Eric Voorhees, third time is a charm. Welcome, Eric. How you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, we talked before uh, about Shapeshift, and um, I wanted to talk about your newer venture, uh, Prism. So maybe we could start out, just in case listeners don't know, can you just tell them basically what Shapeshift does, and then we'll talk about Prism and what that does? Yeah. Um, yeah, so Shapeshift is a way, of course, to exchange any digital asset into any other without count, and very easy way to convert. Prism is essentially is also a product of Shapeshift, so same company. And Prism allows someone to create a basket or a portfolio of digital assets, and um, and then those are backed with Ethereum as collateral. And this allows someone to basically hold sort of a portfolio without having to leave the funds at an exchange or without having to download a whole bunch of wallets and deal with all that. So we hope that people will find it uh, a much simpler and a much safer way to get exposure to this. All right, well, let's just talk about Shapeshift briefly, and then we'll get more into Prism. So I've, I've used Shapeshift several times, and I, what I experience is, you know, I have Bitcoin, I want to get Dash instead. So I go to Shapeshift, and I essentially send my, my Bitcoin to Shapeshift, and I get back Dash into my wallet, my Dash wallet. So I go there, I don't have to create an account. I, you know, it's a pretty simple interface. I send it, and, you know, a few minutes later, depending on the number of confirmations, I get Dash back into my Dash wallet is pretty cool. And I see yep. you guys had 50, 60 different currency pairs. I don't know what you're up to right now. What's what's your estimate? Well, we have we have something like 50 different assets on the site, but any asset can be traded with any other directly. So it's like 10,000 pairs or something. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't, there were some tokens I didn't see. So like, let's say, um, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's on the Ant shares or Nexus or Siacoin or something strange. What if it's not on the site? How do I trade my asset for that asset if I don't see it listed? Oh, if it's not on the site, we don't support it. But I mean, each each asset okay. on the site can be converted to any other asset on the site. So the reason mm-hmm. that's important is that at normal exchange, they'll have a number of coins that they support, but you can only trade them for Bitcoin. Like the pair is only Bitcoin. So Yeah, I've seen that on Poloniex and the exchanges, right? They have BTC markets. They may have yeah. Ether markets, which are a lot fewer, and then... Maybe like a few U.S. dollar or um, Litecoin markets, but 99% of it's Bitcoin. It's like the reserve currency. Exactly. So if you have PeerCoin and you want Next, for example, on Polo, you would have to convert the PeerCoin into Bitcoin and then the Bitcoin into the Next. 
Um, whereas mm. the shapeshift, you can do it directly. So it, it just removes one more step of the process. Yeah, and expense, too, if the markets are moving, even the trade costs. If you only have to do one trade, and your site seems to be really, really cost-effective, extremely cheap to do it, um, it's a lot cheaper and you get less trade slippage. Yeah, so the so the rates are always changing. I mean, you know, sometimes ShipShift will have a better rate than an exchange that someone would be using normally. Sometimes the rate will be worse. But on ShapeShift, there's no slippage, which a lot of people don't remember. Slippage is basically how much the price moves when you're trying to buy it. And um, it can be deceiving if you're at an exchange and, and you think you know what the price is, and then you do the order and you end up getting a different rate than you thought. That's slippage. And on ShapeShift, that doesn't happen. So you, whatever rate we show is exactly what you'll get, which, again, makes things just a little easier. Yeah, a nice thing, too, is there's no um, account requirements. I don't have to sign up with an account and show my license next to my face on camera or any of that crazy AML, KYC stuff, I guess, because you Accounts don't keep user data, right? Accounts are so 20th century. I mean, they, they really are unnecessary in the world of crypto. Uh, people are used to them because, you know, in the traditional world, uh, credit cards are so insecure that the, the merchant has to know a lot about you in order to reduce their chargeback or fraud risk. But in crypto, you don't need to know anything about the user, uh, which, is, which is great. It, it protects the user. It prevents situations like identity theft. Um, and we take full advantage of that. We use this technology to protect people, to protect consumers in a way that uh, that hasn't or couldn't have been done before. Yeah, and and you know, I've again, I've used Shapeshift a bunch of times. I'm not like shilling for you by saying this, but I like your service because I've even had I think two transactions that somehow got lost, you know, over the past year, and I contacted support and they were able to reverse it and fix it for me. So even though I don't have a quote-unquote account with you guys, your support still was able to help me and to get my transaction fixed, which was really cool. Yeah, so an order can fail for a number of reasons. You know, sometimes, like, someone sends in the wrong amount over or under the limit, so an order will fail, or sometimes a node will go down or there's some issue with the blockchain. So orders can fail sometimes. Yeah, a user can just get in touch with us, and then we can send the funds back immediately. Or the user can just put in a return address the coin that they are sending, and that there's a failure, it just auto auto returns to them. So that's what we try to encourage people to do. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a great service. Um, quick question. I see that there's limits on the amount that you can shift shapeshift. Mm-hmm. Is there a way to ask you guys to raise the limit, or do you just let's say I want to transfer a 10 BTC and your limit's one BTC? Do I just do the transaction and wait, and then do another one and another one, or do you have like why do you have these limits first of all, and can you raise them? So I can move more crypto if I need. Yeah, you can. Um, you can obviously do as many transactions as you need to. But the reason there is a limit per transaction is because we are guaranteeing the rate. So if we let someone do like a hundred thousand dollar order, we can't give them the same rate as if they did a thousand dollar order. It would, it would be much worse rate for the larger amount because of slippage and because these are generally illiquid markets. So we're sort of stuck, you know, in this tension of. Users want higher limits, obviously, but users also want better price. So we have to kind of balance that, find the right the right spot. Is there a feature where I can request to have a higher limit and I agree to pay, you know, a higher transaction fee or I agree to, uh, you know, potentially a worse price, give or take 5% or something? We don't have a feature like that. Uh, we are working on a way to do uh, unlimited order sizes. And the, the way we can do that is by simply not guaranteeing what your rate will be ahead of time. 
So for the users that want the bigger sizes, they can do that when we have that available. They just won't know what the rate will be exactly until the order is done. When do you think that'll be rolled out? Will you have tiers of order size, or it's just either our limit or unlimited? It'll just yeah, it'll just be a new order type, which is unlimited. And if it's unlimited, we'll we'll tell you roughly what we think the price will be, you know, given an average order size. But uh, you have to do the trade, and then the actual rate you got vary on all sorts of parts. So that feature is pro- it's in like a, a future version of Shapeshift, which probably a couple months out. All right. And what about the pairs? or the trading, um, how often do you add tokens and how many are you planning to add, you know, in the next six months or year? And what's your limit? Are you just going to keep going and adding or do you see that some are not worth it to have? Well, most are not worth it. I mean, there's like 2,000 crypto apps. Most of them are not worth paying attention to at all. So we have any that seem to have significant market traction, basically any that have large market exchange volumes, and then we'll consider adding it. So... Probably on average, we add about a coin a week, and you know some some assets will be very much in favor, and then you know six months later, no one cares about them. So there are a number of assets that are on the site that you know we don't really get any volume in, but we're always just trying to keep whatever assets on the site that uh, people will find useful. Makes sense. Okay. All right. So let's let's talk about uh, Prism. So I'm trying to understand the concept. So I could have a basket of different cryptos, and you said they're backed by Ethereum. Can you just step me through, like, basically how it works and what it's doing? Yeah. So let's say you have $10,000 and you want to have a basket of, you know, the top 10 crypto assets because you're bullish on the industry. Um, you can use Prism to specify the allocation you want. So maybe you want, like, 10% each of the top 10 assets. Uh, and then Prism will say, all right, put uh, $10,000 worth of Ethereum into this address. And once you do that, then um, Shapeshift collateralizes the the uh, prism as well with $10,000 of Ethereum. And then it lives essentially as a smart contract on the Ethereum network that tracks the price of your assets. So if your portfolio goes up you know, 20% a couple weeks later, um, you can close the portfolio and you'll get 20% more Ethereum back than you put in. So it's, it's only Ethereum in and Ethereum out, but the portfolio itself can track any any digital asset that you want to put in it. Um, so it's not a way of taking delivery of the underlying assets. The point actually is to to um, enable people not to have to take delivery because taking delivery means you have to set up a bunch of wallets and manage private keys. And um, especially if you reallocate your portfolio somewhat often, that could be a real pain in the butt. Huh. That's really interesting. So I can own a whole bunch of different crypto assets but I don't actually have to go and buy them, like you said, and put them in wallets or leave them on exchanges. I can do it all just through Ethereum. Yeah, and, and just through a web interface. It's really easy. Uh, so you just, you know, it's like a three-step process. You just say which assets you want in your portfolio, like 10% Litecoin and 12% Dash and whatever. And then you say how big you want your portfolio to be. And then you send in your Ethereum. That's an equivalent amount to the value of your portfolio. And then it just kind of this on the Ethereum smart network behind the scenes. And um, it is it is trustless in that Shapeshift can't take the funds that you put in. So only your Ethereum key that you use to send the Ethereum in can command the smart contract to withdraw the, the capital back to you. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's a great way to, to help most crypto users who want something that's very safe and also very easy. And we felt like safe and easy hadn't existed in this way yet, so that's why we built it. 
So it, what kind of uh, tokens can you buy? Just ERC-20s, or you can buy almost anything? No, I, What's the limit? Any, anything. There's no limit. Right now, there's there's like 50 assets on there, but we can add anything. So you can you can put Bitcoin in the portfolio, or Litecoin, or Dash. Any any of the top 50 really are in there right now. It's not limited to ERC-20. Why, why don't you do this in Bitcoin instead of Ethereum? I mean, I know you can't use Bitcoin for the smart contract aspect, but why did you guys That's choose smart. Ethereum as the base? currency for it because bitcoin doesn't have smart contracts yet that's the only reason um is rootstock is released then uh we will port prism over to bitcoin as well and then we'll have sort of a bitcoin version and an ethereum version that'll operate identically to the user but you can put you know bitcoin as collateral into one or ethereum as collateral into the other and they'll both exist on the respective blockchains. is there any way to jury rig it right now so you could put bitcoin in instead of ethereum or or it'd be too technical <laughs> No, that you'd run into no, you that would cause all sorts of problems because the the capital is held in the smart contract and and the theory of the smart contract can't hold Bitcoin. So mm-hmm. what you have to do is is let someone pay with Bitcoin, it would convert to Ethereum and it would live as Ethereum in the smart contract. And because Bitcoin and Ethereum change in their exchange rate with each other, it would it would cause all sorts of confusion and you might think that your portfolio went up, but actually, after it's converted back into Bitcoin, you discover it went down. So it would be a really bad user experience. So once Rich stocks out, then that problem gets solved in a much more elegant way. Yeah, this, it's kind of strange. I mean, what what happens as the price of Ethereum changes? You're you're actually, in one way, you're hedging against price changes in Ethereum using other crypto assets. Kind of odd. Yeah, it uses Ethereum as the base, and so to the extent that Ethereum is very volatile which it has been for the last three months, that's not ideal. But ultimately, um, you know, we have to build things for the future and every crypto asset that gets large will stabilize over time. Bitcoin has become much more stable than it was three years ago, for example. Um, Ethereum will stabilize over time. So we're not trying to solve the problem of volatility of the underlying asset. We're just trying to solve the problem of getting exposure to crypto assets without having to leave funds at an exchange and without um, having to do all the wallets and keys yourself. So what I'm trying to think about this. I, it's taking me a little bit. If I have, let's say, 100, 100 Ethereum worth of collateral, and I buy, I don't know, you know, some other crypto assets with it on Prism, then Ethereum goes down by 50%. And I mm-hmm. say, all right, you know, what, what happens if, if in that situation, Ethereum went down 50%, but all my other crypto assets magically didn't go down at all? Then, and I want to end the smart contract. What happens to me? You, you would get a ton more Ethereum back because your assets that you, that you had exposure to uh, were stable with dollars and Ethereum fell against dollars, which means that your assets rose against Ethereum. So when you converted it back to Ethereum, you get much more Ethereum back. So yeah, it does. I mean, if you diversify out of Ethereum into the prism, you're hedged against Ethereum falling. But of course, if Ethereum rises, then the opposite happens and you'd be worse off. So crazy, huh? The very yeah, I mean, I don't know, it's just taking me a little while to get my head around it. It's an unusual it's, concept. Yeah. Hmm. It's no different than if it was dollars, um, and you right. would buy, and you ha- it's denominated in the base of dollars. Dollars versus euros change all the time. So if you're a European, right, and you convert it into dollars, and then bought a, a bunch of stocks on the stock market, and then the stocks rise against dollar, but dollar fell against the euro, you might actually have lost money because your base currency is the euro. So using okay. whatever you use as your base currency is, it doesn't matter. But if gold, Ethereum, Bitcoin, dollars, 
um, that's what you're measuring the performance of the portfolio against. What if you have uh, Ethereum in there and you go buy more Ethereum with it? <laughs> you you can do that. Um, that. That would be a net loss because there are some fees on Prism, uh, but you could certainly hmm. do that just to play around with it. I guess, yeah, there'd be uh, no also, reason to do that. Hmm. Actually, so that's, there is one way that that would make sense. So um, let's say you make a Prism that's half Litecoin and half Dash, uh, and then you hear about some great news that's going to happen in Ethereum. And so after you've already created your Prism, you actually get more bullish on Ethereum, but you, you, you're you just bullish for like the next week until the news breaks. You can actually rebalance your Prism without closing it into to be you know 80% Ethereum all of a sudden for the week. And then uh, you can rebalance it again to go back to Litecoin and Dash after your price movement has happened and you would have um, protected yourself. So without having to close the prism and reopen it, which would incur fees, you can rebalance at any time. So what, do you watch the behavior of people that have prism accounts? Are you able to see what they're doing? And has it, has it given you any insight into what people are thinking? We're, I mean, it's still in private beta, so we're not trying to do like broad user studies of behavior yet. We're just trying to make sure everything's running stably and that it's scale and that the user experience is good. So sure, like two or three years from now, when it's a much more mature product and there are half a million users on that platform, it'll be really interesting to, to dig into some of that behavioral information. Um, but for now, we don't care about that. Are you seeing any surprises that are different from what when you first conceived of the idea in its implementation? No, I don't think so. We didn't go into it with lots of expectations of behavior. We went into it knowing that we don't know how people are going to use this. You know, going into that with that mindset, we don't really have any surprises. We're just kind of watching. Um, and again, you know, we're paying a lot more attention to just making sure the system is working properly, not not the behaviors of the uh, of the coins or, or what people do with it. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I just wondered if you're seeing anything, you know, like are people, um, you know, using it and buying a lot of the uh, ERC-20 tokens or are they buying just random typed off or is it, does it seem to emulate the, uh, the market cap size, you know, people are, are focusing on the the ones with the biggest market cap or again, it's just who knows yet. Yeah. I mean, I haven't no- personally, I haven't noticed any, any discernible themes that would be worth sharing yet, but I haven't really looked at it very much in that way. So yeah, I mean, if you're, are you in the beta? Have you gotten in? No, I haven't. I, I saw an article on it, but I haven't uh, tried the beta yet. Okay. Yeah. When you're in there, you, you can see a leaderboard of all the prisms. So, um, you can actually huh. see yourself. Any any user, in other words, can see all the other prisms that are there, and um, they're ranked by you know how much they have appreciated in capital. Um, and so people will probably find some interesting market data themselves as they look at it. And you know I'm sure people will use that to inform their own trading decisions. One feature oh, that we haven't mentioned. Interesting. Is, uh, yeah, people can follow each other. So if if you know of someone who is really good at at timing crypto markets, um, and they have a Prism portfolio, you can follow theirs. And then whenever they rebalance or change it, yours will rebalance and change automatically alongside. Interesting. Uh, you, I mean, do they have usernames, or is it just completely like random? Uh, what does the leaderboard look like? Each, each Prism has a username and a Prism name, and each of those is arbitrary, so you can make a different username and Prism name every time you make a Prism. Um, there's no requirements or rules about it. So some people just use like random words or strings as their names. Some people 
someone could use it like as marketing. You know, if you have a fund and you, you're on the top of the leaderboard and you named it after your fund, you'll get exposure because you're on the top of the leaderboard. So people can really do whatever they want with that. How long have some of the prisms been up? I mean, you look at the leaderboard and see, oh, Johnny886 has been there for like two months now and you know, have yeah, you seen anything there? Some of them have been there since we opened the private beta, for sure. Um, and they, you know, they some of them are up 80% and some of them are down 80% and everything in between. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's quite a mix. I, I think some people will use it for very short term, like they'll buy a prism for a couple of days and hold it. Other people might hold a prism open for six months. Um, prism would not be great for, like, high-frequency trading or, or super active traders. You wouldn't want to create and close prisms like multiple times an hour. You're, you'll just lose too much in friction of fees to make it worthwhile. But most people don't do that. I think you know most people want to hold something for a, a day or several days or several weeks, a few months. So that's what we're targeting. Have you thought about um, allowing like paper trading, like a fantasy football type thing, you know, fantasy prism type arrangement? You mean prisms that don't have any economic like capital behind them? Yeah, you know, again, like fantasy football. I, my team, my crypto team, has Litecoin and Ant shares, and you know, Potcoin and whatever. And that's my paper trading one. And I'd make up a prism, and there's no money in it, right? And I want to see how it does. And it, you know, have you thought about creating that and adding it to the system so people can paper trade and speculate and just have fun and bet on stuff? Um, we haven't done that. I mean, we basically made a way for people to bet on stuff by giving them actual value. Doing a paper one is probably a feature we should add at some point. Um, probably not a big priority at this point, though. Yeah, I just say because people like to do that. You know, some people are willing to put money in. Some people just would rather do that and make bets. You know, maybe a, a system where they can make bets on the top prisms, who's going to win for the month, you know, that kind yeah, of thing. Not a bad idea. I'm sure a lot of people would like that. Yeah, you know, so, okay. What, what are the, uh, what's the approximate fee structure? What does it depend on? Yeah, uh, so the fees are when um, there's no fee to open the prism. When you close it, there is a 2.4% plus 0.05 ether fee. The 2.4% is essentially our revenue model. That's how we make money on it. Uh, and then 0.05 ether is essentially the, the cost of all the smart contract creation in terms of gas that we as Shapeshift pay to make and close a prism. So we recoup that cost. And then the other the other fee that's relevant is a there is a 0.5% rebalance fee. So it's, that's a fee on the amount that you rebalance. So if you have a if you have a portfolio and then like 10% of that portfolio you rebalance, there's a half a percent fee on that 10%. So not on the whole portfolio, but just what you rebalance. So that that's how it looks you, right now. Uh, okay. Do you, do you see that um, some people will have like a a you know I'm mixing terms here, but like a mutual fund of prisms. Does anyone make a prism based off of like three or five other people's prisms, the average of them, what their holdings are? Um, I don't know if people have done that explicitly. Um, I mean, yeah, if you, I'm not sure how that would look. You know, if you see someone that has a third of Dash, Litecoin, and Bitcoin, and then another person that has half Zcash and half Monero, um, you can set your own prism to be whatever you want it to be, or you can follow one of those two people exactly. It's up to you. Yeah, let's say I see like, you know, Mr. X, Mr. Y, and Mrs. Z are like the top of the leaderboard consistently. So obviously they seem to be successful. So I make maybe a custom prism that, let's say it's 100 Ether worth, and I take like 33 and a third Ether of each, and I 
allocate it according to each prism. So I'm, it's kind of like a mutual fund of prisms, essentially, you know? Yeah, we don't we don't have that feature now, uh, but a prism of prisms might might be cool or might be superfluous. I'd have to think about that a little bit. Uh, what a bad joke. One, what, if, what if it leads to a prisoner's dilemma? Just, just kidding. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. I, maybe we'll leave that into something we do. One yeah. one cool thing that we expect to happen is since each prism is its own smart contract on Ethereum with like a an Ethereum address, a unique Ethereum address, BPC, on the Ethereum blockchain, um, someone could tokenize a prism, which means, you know, let's say you made a $100,000 prism, half Litecoin and half Bitcoin. But, uh, you or someone else could then make an ERC-20 token tied to that smart contract on your own, you know, not with not with us. We don't enable this, but we can't stop it either. You could yeah. make a token tied to that smart contract, and then that token will will essentially be worth a fractional share of the prism. So if you made, you know, 100,000 prisms, um, or sorry, 100,000 tokens based on that prism, each of those tokens would be worth 100,000 of the half Bitcoin, half Litecoin portfolio. And then the tokens can trade around as, as assets sell. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess you're right. Prisms that seem to perform well consistently would run at a premium, you would think. And then other ones that are worse would, uh, would be worse. Well, they, yeah, they would generally the price of their of their assets. The, you can imagine, like after this kind of market matures, people might hold a a top twenty crypto token, and it that would be an ERC twenty token backed by top twenty cryptos. And that token, of course, would be more stable than any specific crypto, um, and very well diversified. And that token could become a widely used asset in its own right. Like the well, how come you guys don't do that? A couple of reasons. One, we're trying to stay focused on the core product, and we have a million ideas that we're already trying to pursue. Mm. Uh, and two, there's probably some weird securities rules about doing that. And as an American, um, I'm under the tyranny of the SEC. So it would probably be prohibitive for me to do that. Um, at, at the very minimum, I'd, if I wanted to do it legally, I'd have to spend you know, six figures on a, on a lawyer. But in other countries where people are more free, they could probably experiment with that kind of thing without fear of uh, being fined or arrested right. or something. So we're hoping that people in more free jurisdictions will experiment with some of that stuff. Okay, makes sense. So yeah, just a couple questions more. It sounds like a really cool product, very fascinating. Um, Thanks. What's what's on the roadmap for Prism the next six months or year? What new new stuff's coming out? So first, you know, we is getting it out of um, out of the private beta. So it's it's on the live Ethereum network. It's an actual production product, but it's only invite only right now. Anyone that wants to get on the list can go to prism.exchange and sign up and we'll, we are trickling people in. So first thing really is to get it into an open beta where anyone can, can play around with it without our permission. Um, and then thereafter, the, the next big thing is to open up the short side, which means allow someone to have a, um, a short basket to go short on a, a basket of digital assets, which is just as important as the ability to go long. Um, so that, mm. that'll that be the, the first big upgrade that we make to it. And then, then Prism will allow anyone to go long or short on any basket of digital assets. What about options and futures and that kind of stuff? Or are you, are you getting too close to uh, a danger zone? I mean, that's, that's, that's all going to come into place as, as this product builds, I'm sure. Um, but it's a little further away. Okay. Well, very cool. So yeah, can you repeat from the private beta? Yeah, it's Prism, P R I S M, 
dot exchange. That's the URL. Oh, okay. Very simple. All right. Any any other um, items that you wanted to bring up? Anything coming in the future you're excited about? Any fears or uh, big changes in uh, the marketplace, the cryptos, cryptosphere you think are coming? I mean, right now, all eyes are on the SegWit 2X and the UASF and the possible fork. The next month is going to be really fascinating. I, I'm really hopeful that SegWit 2X activates. It's looking like it will. Um, that'll avoid a lot of forks and a lot of drama. And I think we'll actually, we'll finally get SegWit to pass and we'll likely get a hard fork to 2 megabytes, which I also support very much. So that's um, that's really the biggest thing going on right now and everyone's watching it very closely. So it, <laughs> it, could, it could go in a number of different directions, but so far it looks like it might right. work out. Yeah, would, would it be okay? You know, you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but um, if Bitcoin hard forks, what do you think will happen to the two pieces of it and do you think that's good or bad? And, you know, what's your guess on what may happen and why? Well, if SegWit2x does not activate before August 1st, then there absolutely will be a hard fork when UASF happens because a portion of the community will start alienating non-SegWit blocks, even though most miners mm-hmm. are not mining SegWit blocks. Um, so some people say this is a chain split and not a hard fork. I'm not sure that's the significant difference in this case, but the but Bitcoin will fork or split in two on August 1st if segwit Quebec doesn't happen. And then things get even crazier from there. If that happens, Bitmain has said that they will release an entirely new chain, an explicit hard fork of Bitcoin ABC um, a few days later, which means you'd have three Bitcoins. And then there's another contingent that might change the proof of work algorithm in response to Bitmain. So then you get four chains uh, by like August 15th, possibly. So Whoa. that would that would be a, a shitstorm. <laughs> um, Bitcoin, yeah. Bitcoin would fall under a thousand dollars, but what does that even mean? Because there would be four of them. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, so it would be a big mess. You know, on the other side of it, somewhere Bitcoin would emerge, like one strongest chain that would become Bitcoin again. But um, it would right. really depress the market for a while and cause a whole bunch of confusion, and the, the headlines, the press would just be horrible. So I'm really hoping that that doesn't happen. But no matter what, this, this scaling debate is getting resolved one way or another over the next month. And that, I think, fundamentally is good for Bitcoin. Well, what do you think? If, if, okay, so if SegWit2x does activate um, and then it does come to a hard fork because of the block size increase, what's your guess? Is, what would happen under that scenario? So if SegWit2x activates, then the UASF on August 1st will still happen, but it won't fork because the majority of miners will already be creating um, SegWit compatible blocks. Um, or I should say there might be a fork, but it'll be really, it'll be minor and it won't matter. So mm-hmm. you'll may, you'll, um, there will be one main chain that is clearly the real chain that continues. Um, and then uh, like three months later, the hard fork to two megabytes will happen. And um, so a whole bunch of more drama could happen, you know, during that three months, three months later. But first step is just getting SegWit back to, to activate. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is going to be interesting. Well, very good. Well, we'll we'll finish up. And um, Prism again sounds fascinating. Um, I really enjoy Shapeshift. It's a great product, and I you know I appreciate you coming on the podcast, Eric. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. It's been really fun. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field. 
to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.